text for the morning, which is Psalm 66. We're continuing our study in the book of Psalms, uh, not studying every psalm, but selectively going through the book of Psalms. And this morning we're in Psalm 66. Psalm 66. I'm reading the entire psalm. And as I read, remember, this is the word of God. Shout joyfully to God all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works because of the greatness of your power. Your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God who is awesome in his deeds toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There, let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. He keeps watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. For you have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid an impressive burden upon our loins. You made men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you brought us out to a place of abundance. I shall come into your house with burnt offerings. I shall pay you my vows, which my lips uttered and my mouth spoke when I was in distress. I shall offer to you burnt offerings of fat beasts with the smoke of rams. I shall make an offering of bulls with male goats. Come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell you of what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for another time to gather with your people in your word. And we pray your blessing on it. Father, we want to be taught today, and we know that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can do that. And so we pray for Him uh, to be uh, among us now, opening our eyes to see the truth of Your Word, our ears to be able to hear it, our hearts to be able to receive it. Father, give us the grace to apply it as our need might become evident this morning. We ask it all in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you ever need a more Godward focus in your life, I would suggest, again, that you read through the book of Psalms. So many of the Psalms focus upon who God is, what God has done, and now we can have God as a more central figure in our lives. And again, we see that just through the titles of my sermons over the past several weeks, from Psalm 56 Two weeks ago, my sermon was on trusting God. Last week from Psalm 65, the sermon was on knowing God. 
This morning from this psalm, Psalm 66, we're looking at praising God. You know, we've seen that many of the psalms were written to be songs. They were songs that were used in the worship of God by the people of Israel. In many respects, the, the book of Psalms was the hymn book of Israel. And they used many of these psalms for their worship, both in the temple and also in their homes. This psalm is another song. The song of praise uh, to God. Just like we've sung songs today in our worship of praise to God. Israel would use this psalm as a song of praise to Him. So this writer of this psalm exhorts us here to praise God for what He has done in every area of life. You know, too often, I'm afraid, our praise to God is far too narrow. Well, I would say that our view of God many times is far too narrow. I don't know about you, but I know that I tend to live every day with kind of blinders on. I'm I'm so focused on the next thing or or the next person or the next place that that I fail to see the beauty and the glory of God all around me. Well, Psalm 66 helps take those blinders off to see God in all his glory enables us to give him the praise that he is due for who he is and what he's done for us. Now this psalm, just in general, begins with a very broad perspective where the psalmist calls all people to praise God. Then it narrows its focus and it centers upon the people of God, exhorting us as his people to praise him. And then it even narrows further where the psalmist personalizes it. And says, he himself will praise God as well. And so first there was this call, this general call, this broad call to all the earth uh, to praise God. Specifically to praise him for his mighty power. Look again at verses 1 through 4. Shout joyfully to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his day. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. The Bible teaches, we've been reading the first several chapters of Genesis in uh, our uh, morning worship. And the Bible teaches God created this universe, this world in which we live. And he providentially watches over and cares for all that he has made. You know, the the old spiritual got it right. He's got the whole world in his hands. And there's no place, no people, no thing that is outside of God's care and God's provision. It doesn't matter if that providence is acknowledged by anyone or not. God is sovereign over all. And that's why the psalm says in verse 1, Shout joyfully to God all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. God is worthy to be praised. And he's worthy to be praised by all people because God is good to all people. Even those who don't claim him as their God. Oh, praise to him because all they have is from him. There is what we call common grace. That is God's common goodness to all men indiscriminately. You know, The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. 
And God is good to all. Last week in Psalm 65, we saw that God is good. And His goodness extends not just to His people, but His goodness extends over all the earth. And I want you to notice the enthusiasm this psalm reflects. He says, verse 1, Shout joyfully to God all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Now there's a lesson in that for us. Not that we should necessarily, literally, go around shouting our praise to God, but there should be some sense of enthusiasm in our relationship with God and our worship of God. You know, sometimes uh, we modern-day Christians seem to be rather complacent about our relationship with God and our worship of God. You know, there's a, there's a real difference. You know, I go to a lot of ball games. You know that. There's a real difference, isn't there? And people going to a ball game and people coming to church. I've never been to a game where there weren't a lot of people going with a lot of expectation. Enthusiasm. They're looking for something to happen for which they can be enthralled on the field or on the court. There, there's some sense of, of excitement about it. Well, it's not true here necessarily, but in contrast, how many people come dragging themselves to church? It ought to be another round, way around, shouldn't it? If we can get enthused about anything, it ought to be about the one thing that matters the most to us in life. And the psalm says we ought to shout about it. We ought to sing about it. You know that my favorite part of worship is the singing. Probably because I get to join with you in that. I don't have to just kind of get up here and give a sermon. But I, I love the singing. I, I love singing here. Because you sing with some enthusiasm. You sing because it means something to you. And that's what the psalmist saying. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Sing. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious there ought not to be a Sunday that goes by when we leave this place that we ought not to feel that God has received the glory that he has received the praise that we have given to him what he is due in terms of adoration and praise in verse 3 the psalmist says that because of, of God's mighty works and mighty power he says, even your enemies will give feigned obedience to him. What is feigned obedience? Well, feigned obedience is false obedience. I'm sure we've seen examples of it. Many times when there's a severe storm or other natural calamity, people who aren't even Christians, who don't name the name of Christ, are struck by their own frailty and by God's great power. You know, we've, had, we've had tornadoes ripped through the south already uh, this year. And if there's anything that shows God's mighty power, it is a tornado. And I'm sure you've heard people say before, if God will only get me through this, 
and I'll serve him the rest of my life. But then so often when life gets back to normal, that promise fades away. That, you see, is feigned obedience. But one day, what the psalmist is saying is, that feigned obedience will be true worship, or that feigned worship will be true worship. This, this psalm says that one day, everyone eventually will praise God. Look at verse 4. All the earth, all the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. Now that is not teaching universalism. It's not saying that one day everyone will trust in Christ and come to Him for salvation. But what it does mean is that one day everyone everyone will acknowledge the greatness of God. One day when we all stand before the throne of God and we see Him in all His glory. Everyone will acknowledge His greatness and everyone will give Him praise. Even as many are being judged by Him, they will acknowledge Him as the one true God and they will give Him glory. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the psalmist is saying. All the earth one day will praise you. One day all the earth will give him glory. Then in the second place, the psalm tells us why we are to praise him and worship him in this way. And that's simply because of all that he's done for us. Look at verse 5. Come and see the works of God. Look, open your eyes and see what God has done. He's awesome in his deeds toward the sons of men. And he's specific. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed on the river, through the river on foot. There let us rejoice in him, referring, of course, to the Exodus. He rules by his might forever. He keeps his eyes, keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. I mentioned earlier that I have a problem. And the problem is I live my life so often with these, these blinders on. You know, even just going back and forth between here and the Midler, something I do several times a day. I catch myself thinking about what I did or what I didn't do, what I should have done, what might happen, what someone could say. You get the idea. And I find myself looking at the sidewalk as I walk back and forth. Instead of lifting my eyes to, to look and, and to see what God has done. But isn't that the way we live life so many times? One of the reasons we don't praise God is we don't remind ourselves, don't open our eyes to see all that God has done for us. And that's what the psalmist is telling us. Look, remember, remember what God has done. Open your eyes to see. Put on your thinking caps to remember all that God has done for you so that you might give Him the praise that He is is due. 
and the praise of which he is worthy. Uh, another reason we don't praise God as we should is we, we so often take God for granted, don't we? I do. Don't you just expect things to happen in God's good providence? Didn't you just expect the sun to rise this morning? And don't you just expect the sun to set this evening? You know, these things happen unless it's just a spectacular sunrise or sunset. We just take it for granted. The seasons change. They come and they go. And that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? How everything around us now is dormant. And yet in just a few months, really just maybe perhaps here in just a number of weeks, we're going to begin to see the trees bud and the grass begin to, to turn green and grow. But it happens every year, doesn't it? And we just kind of take it as something we expect without realizing oh, that shows the glory of God. And so the psalmist is saying, see, look, understand the works of God. See and remember what God has done and mighty things that God has accomplished. In verses 8 through 12, the psalmist does indeed narrow his focus and he describes the worship of God's people. And we see that in verse 8 where he says, Bless our God, O peoples. Not just bless the God, but bless our God. He's beginning to personalize it even more. You know, even though all the nations one day will praise God, it is us who are his people who received a special measure of his grace. Oh, and special praise. The Bible does teach that God is good to all men. But God is especially good to his people, to those who love him and serve him. And it's us, it's us, who have special reason to praise him. Well, uh, there are two things for which we are to praise God here in particular and one for his general protection over us. This psalm points to the fact that God watches over us. Look at verse 9. He says, He keeps us in life and does not allow our foot to slip. It is God who keeps us in life. You know the reason you were able to wake up this morning? God, because God kept you through the night. And God kept you in life. And he's the one who grants us each new day and who keeps us from slipping. Now, some of you may be asking, if that is true, if God keeps us in life and God keeps us from slipping, then why do bad things happen to me? Why did I wreck my car? Why does my mother have cancer? Why did my husband die at such a young age? Why did the wind blow that tree over my house? Why did I get laid off from my job? There are many people who are asking those very questions. Some of you may be asking those questions as well. And what we have to realize is that when the Bible says that God doesn't, God keeps our feet from slipping, it doesn't mean that He will never allow difficulties to enter into your life or He'll never allow you to go through hard times. Nowhere in the Bible 
Does God promise that? Even believers are not exempt from experiencing the difficulties, the trials, the hardships, the pains, the sorrows of living in a fallen world. But God never gives us more than we can bear. And He always gives us the grace to endure it. And the Bible says He doesn't allow our feet to slip. This means God does never puts so much on us that we can't carry the weight so that our feet slip under us and we can't endure what He's laid upon us. And that, my friends, is more than enough reason to praise Him. But also the psalmist says that we as His people should express praise to God for His, for his deliverance that He gives to us in trouble. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, You brought us into the net. You laid an oppressive burden upon our loins. You made me and ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet, you brought us out to a place of abundance. I want you to notice how the focus there is on God, what God has done. He says, you brought us into the net. You laid a burden on us. You made men ride over us. You brought us essentially through fire and water. God brings us through those difficult times. And He always does so with a purpose. And the purpose is to help you to grow spiritually. To refine you. Look back to verse 10. It says, For you have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. Doesn't matter what your difficulty, how hard the experience, God is using that to make you into what He wants you to be. And you will come out better. You may not come out better financially. You might not come out better physically. You, You might not come out better socially or emotionally. But the Bible promises you will come out better spiritually. God uses these experiences to try us and to refine us as silver is refined. And then the psalmist narrows the focus even more at the end of the psalm where he talks about himself. Beginning with verse 13, notice how he shifts and he uses the first person pronoun where he says, I shall come into your house with burnt offerings. I shall pay you my vows, which my lips uttered, and my mouth spoke when I was in distress. I shall offer you burnt offerings of fat beasts with the smoke of rams. I shall make an offering of bulls with male goats. This is the psalmist personalizing this worship of God, saying, look, I may worship corporately with God's people. All the earth may be called to praise Him. The people of God may be Exhorted to praise Him. What really matters is my relationship with Him. I will praise Him. I will give Him glory. I will offer burnt offerings to Him. See, ultimately, our faith is a personal faith. I've said it before. No one can believe for you. No one can trust for you. No one can obey for you. It's a personal thing between you and God. 
And there's a testimony that we bear as a result of it. Look at verse 16, where he says, Come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell of what he has done for my soul. You see, as we realize who God is and what God has done for us, there's this sense of, you know, I need to tell others of what God has done. And maybe, and I tell people this in in my pastoral work, it may be, if you're going through a hard experience today, it may be that it's not so much about you as it is about someone else. God may be preparing you to minister to the someone else whom you'll come across who has a real need and to whom you can minister by saying, Look, sit down. And let me tell you of what God has done for my soul. Let me tell you how God helped me through a similar situation. Let me tell you how God gave me the grace to deal with this difficulty in my life. There's to be a personal aspect in our relationship with God, but also it leads to have this this personal testimony of what He's done for us. As he concludes the psalm, beginning with verse uh, 17, he talks about how we, we, we cry to God and God hears. Verse 17, I cried to him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. God hears the prayers of his people. But there's a caution given in verse 18. And this is one of those verses in the Bible that gives people some consternation sometimes where the psalmist says, have a regard with wickedness in my heart. The Lord will not hear. And some people say, well, if, I have, if I've sinned this week, will God not hear my prayer? If I've uh, said something I shouldn't have said to my wife or to my children, will God not hear my prayer? We should notice what the text says. It says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That is, if I know the wickedness is there, I know the sin is there. Yeah, I haven't done anything about it. I haven't dealt, dealt with it. I haven't confessed it. I haven't asked forgiveness for it. That breaks our communication with God, and God does not hear. But the, the, but the psalm doesn't end on a note of gloom and doom. It, it ends on a note of confidence. Verse 19, but certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. And then there's one more word of Praise, blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. You see, the effectiveness of our prayers doesn't depend upon our righteousness. It depends upon the righteousness of Christ. God hears my prayers not because of my worthiness, but because of Jesus' worthiness. God doesn't hear me because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is. Blessed be God, the psalmist says, who has heard my cry, who has heard my prayer. Look, this psalm just scratches the top of the surface. Folks, God is God. He is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. And we need, I need, you need, we need 
to take the blinders off, to see him as he is for who he is and all that he's done for us. We might worship him, that we might give him praise, we might give him glory. As we're going to sing in just a moment, God is our creator, and we worship him for that. But he is our redeemer through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we certainly praise him for that. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your uh, word and for its truth. And we pray by your spirit, you apply its truth to our hearts even now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.